Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. We're in week number eight. And in week number eight of what is Jesus doing, we're talking about the fact that Jesus is restoring relationships. That's what he's doing. Relationships are a big deal. God is incredibly relational. You get into the word a little bit and you see it's all about people and it's all about God so loved the world. You know, and this is what he said. His primary commandment is, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So let's learn about relationships, the Jesus kind of new covenant relationships and how you can walk free and be unencumbered so that you can have open and clear relationships with those around you. Here we go. Let's get into the word. So we're going to go through some stuff this morning and we're going to talk about uh, what is Jesus doing. And today, what is Jesus doing? He's restoring relationships. That's what he's doing. And that's what he does. Jesus restores relationships. He restored his relationship with us to him. It says God was in Christ. Where was God when Jesus was on the cross? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Reconciling the world to himself. And it says that, and now we have been given this responsibility to go tell the whole world, to compel them, to implore them, be reconciled to God. So what is Jesus doing right now in and through us, through his church? He's reconciling people to his love and to his grace. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Is that okay? All right. So just a, a couple of, uh, some wisdom, some theology from uh, children. I love theology from children. A little bit of stuff about love. But this was from Rachel. It's good stuff right here. She said, Sean, I am breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out. That was three months ago. You need to get it together or you will never get married. And that would be sad. You should get married, but just not to me. <laughs> you asked me out three months ago. We haven't talked since. Said, How many had a relationship like that when you're in grade four? I think I did. Anyways, I got, I got some more. I watched this. Uh, Dear Janet, I think we should break up. I would tell you why, but I'm having a tough time describing my feelings. So I drew a picture of me riding a giraffe instead. So if my wife ever gets a picture of me on a giraffe, she understands. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm having an experience. All right, I got, I got some more. I got another. I'm angry at you, and I'm not talking to you today or tomorrow. Uh, P.S. All day. But listen to this now. This is real good right here. You ready? P.S.S. I love you. Hey, you ever got angry? Anybody ever got angry? All heads bowed, all eyes closed. The Bible says be angry. It's an imperative. Be angry, but sin not. So it's not that sometimes things don't make me angry. But you know what? You, you keep the, the foundation of it is. Like sometimes if you can't express yourself, step back for a bit but say, I just want you to know i got to gather myself for a second, but I want you to know that our relationship is couched in this. I love you. I'm struggling right now, but I love you. Are you okay? All right. Here's another one. Good stuff. Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot. And he put yes, no, or maybe. He said, please put a yes, a no, or a maybe. So Ashley responded and said, I'm sorry. I already have a boyfriend. His name is Kyle. We blanked out Kyle's last name because we knew you would look for him. But uh, Kyle, but when we break up, you're my next choice. <laughs> P.S. It'll be two or three months. <laughs> you got to love kids, don't you? Eh? Where do the kids get this stuff from? I wonder. Anyway, I got one more, one more. But are you ready? Another of it, kids passing notes back and forth. But are you ready to be there when I'm mad or need to cry? Or I can do the things that I can't do with anyone else but you. 
And he responded and he said, yes, I am ready unless I'm eating fried chicken. <laughs> Amen. Give it up for fried chicken. Yes. And then, so chicken is more important than me? Only fried chicken. And only when I'm hungry. But if I'm not, then you are the only thing I think about. Amen. Give it up for fried chicken. Amen. All right. Hey, I want to talk about restoring relationships. Now, John Dewar, John Dewar is a venture capitalist. How many know what a venture capitalist is? It's a guy who has a lot of money, and he looks for things to invest in. And so he looks for startups and things that he thinks are going to be great. A couple of the startups he invested in, one was called Google. I think it did okay. Another one was called Amazon. I think it did okay. Another was AOL. Not sure about that one. But uh, I know LOL, but I don't know. That was tough, Sean. Where were you? I was there for... So anyways, here's what he said. They, said how, they asked him a question. They said, how is it you've been so successful? Like you, it's amazing that you back things and they always do so well. Here's his answer. His answer was just one word. Teams. Teams. I do really well because teams. What am I looking for? I'm looking for teams. He said, I bet on teams. Some people would say people, but I say teams. It's not just people, but it's how these people work together in relationships. Amen. Is anybody in a relationship? You're all in relationships. You have them every day. You're here right now experiencing a relationship with me primarily at this moment. But we're having a relationship. We're experiencing things right now. You're in relationships. You know, a lot of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. One doctor said that your health, I mean, how you're doing in life, I mean, even whether you're well or whether you're sick, depends on how you handle relationships. Have you ever had your relationship go sour and you can feel it in your body? Your body literally feels and expresses the things you're going through and the emotion you're going through. But you know what? Relationships are important, and handling those and being mature in those is a big deal. And this venture capitalist said, I don't put my money where relationships aren't good. I don't put my money where people don't work together well. So how you relate to people is a big deal. Daniel Goleman, he's a, a, a workplace psychologist, and he goes into workplaces and helps them figure things out. But he said emotional intelligence is twice as important as the other other two which he said are skill and iq so your iq your intelligence and the skills you may possess he says they're 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 not half as important as do you have emotional intelligence you can have somebody you're incredibly skilled incredibly smart but because they can't relate to people they're just a mess and they actually cause grief he said we're looking for people who know to work together sounds a lot like the first guy he said teams teams are important how you work with others is a big big deal it's twice as big of a deal as the other values to a whole variety of people he said without emotional intelligence you will not be effective in the workplace you will not be effective in the work environment and i'd like to say without a little bit of emotional intelligence you're not going to do well with any of your relationships and relationships are a big deal and knowing Jesus and the songs we're singing today, when you've got God and his love for you is a firm foundation, that's going to cause you to be strong in relationships. It's going to be strong in how you relate to others and how you manifest, you know, well-being and soundness, even emotionally. So thank God I'm loved. Amen. I got one thing going for me right now. You ready? God loves me. And Cheryl most of the time. So 
But you know, I tell you that God loves me is a great force in my life that gives me strength and propels me in every situation. I'm not a slave to any other thing or any other relationship. I'm free to give myself away. I'm free to be hurt. I'm free to go through difficulties. I'm, I'm free to speak the truth in love. I'm free to really be the unique, wonderful me because I don't receive anything from, I do receive things. I'm blessed when I receive things, but I don't take anything from anybody. You don't meet my needs. All my needs are already met in Christ. Christ. And because I'm so radically loved by him, I can be my true authentic self without the trappings uh, of, of trying to be manipulated by, by circumstances or people or what do you think about me or blah, blah, blah. I, I got uh, John Marshall. John Marshall, he's been watching for several months. He's from Niagara. Hope you're watching today, John. John sent me a note this week. He said, you are one of the most anointed, wonderful preachers I have ever heard. He said, last Sunday's service was the best I've ever listened to yet. He said, he just talked about how the anointing, he says, how you bring people into the presence of God. And then he stopped with one phrase right at the end. He says, I love you. John, I want you to know, that touched me. And I can receive from that. And I'm grateful for that. You know, that's nice to receive, isn't it? Keep your cards and letters coming. So, but you know what? It's... I don't do anything out of that, although receiving that is wonderful and it's great. I am wrapped in the love of God and it's my absolute clear foundation. And so you're wrapped in the love of God. Amen. Psalm 24, verse one, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all the people, all the people in the world belong to him. How many think he's got some troubled children today? I mean, I see a lot of strife in the world, a lot of difficulty in the world. And I see a lot of God's kids uh, acting nasty with some of the other kids. I see a lot of misbehaving in the nursery right now. And these are all God's kids. I think sometimes the problem is, is that we don't, we don't honor and esteem other people. We don't respect other people. And we, we think that we're allowed to not get along. And we're allowed to, you know, hold our principles and our values above the person that we should love. And I know there's boundaries. I know there's things we should consider. But, but overall, you know what? If we would serve people. I mean, Jesus came while he's being nailed to the cross. He said over and over again. While he's being nailed to the cross. He said over and over again. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said, I could have called. I could have called 72,000 angels to come and set me free right now. I was not without power, but I chose to lay my life down for others. Is there power in that? I don't know if we know. I don't know if we think there's power in that. I don't know if we know there's power in surrender. I, I think we, we think we got to stand up. We got to fight. We gotta, that's where the power is. You know, in the kingdom, it's upside down. He who loses his life will gain it. Yet, I think sadly, we don't even esteem others of being worthy of our affection, our care, our prayer. And we should do that. Because the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. And all the people who dwell in it, every single one. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 said, My Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen? It's my Father. And it is my Father. And I actually take that very personally. But you know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, It's our Father. And he's the Father of us all. He's the Father of even that person who annoys you. Our Father, which art in heaven. Ephesians 3, 1. For this reason, I bow the knee to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. And he is the Father of us all. Isn't that good? Amen. Are you guys here? Hey, it's good, Pastor. Many people think it's a, here in church, it's a belief system. We come to celebrate our beliefs, a belief system. We believe stuff. We join together because we believe stuff. It's really not. Spurgeon said the, the, the wonder, the glory uh, of the body of Christ is its community. 
Community is its strength. Community is that great, glorious expression, which is really above all. And so really, it's a belong system. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about, it's about connecting. It's not about arguing about beliefs. It's, it's serving one another, esteeming others as better than ourselves. You walk into a community where there's honor. You walk into a community where you feel special. You're treated well. You're honored and you're blessed because every single person is worthy of our very best. Amen. It's a bit slow right there, wasn't it? Stephen, help me out. Somebody help me out. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you believe the same stuff as each other. No, it's, this is my commandment that you love one another. And how? Say as. You know, the old covenant was love your neighbor as yourself. But, man, I see a lot of people that don't love themselves very good, you know. I see some people, the way they treat themselves, the way they even talk to themselves. I don't want to be loved the way you love yourself. I really don't. But the Word of God says that we as believers are to love others as we've been loved. Do you know how much he loves you? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He sacrificially gave everything. You know, when that kind of love is in a place and is in a relationship, that kind of love is transformative. Amen. It really, really is. So we get to love one another. How? As I have loved you. Does anybody know you've been loved? Sadly, I think it's very hard to express it if you don't know it's yours. We sing the songs, you know, your love has been shed abroad in my heart. Oh, you love me. Your love is so amazing. And I mean, we sing it, but has it really made the, the, the step from our head to our mouth to actually, you know, surrounding our heart that you're loved? It's hard to give away what you don't possess. But you have it. You really do. But I want you to own it experientially. John 13, 35. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. If you protest the stuff that is evil. <laughs> Just doesn't say that. It says by this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. You know, it'll be such a shining prophetic revelation of who we are. Because our love is tangible, expressible. And let me tell you this. It is. It is. I'm talking to the choir because I tell you, I love this community. I love it deeply. And I've experienced incredible great love here. Have you? I really have. And I thank God for that. But you know, Jesus is all about relationships. He's highly relational. So let me talk to you about Jesus on relationships. Some of this is from the Gospels. And I want you to know that the Gospels, in the Gospels, although it starts where the New Covenant is, the New Covenant doesn't begin at Matthew verse 1-1. The New Covenant starts when Jesus said, it is finished. So the new covenant didn't begin in the gospels. It was talked about in the gospels, but a lot of the gospels and even a lot of the red letters of Jesus were the law. So you have to know that because if you think you're, you're going to see Jesus and his interaction with the law and him ministering under the law, but you're not going to see the new covenant. That's why Jesus said, now a new commandment I give unto you, a new commandment. He said, I even give you a new way to pray, a new something shifted when Jesus said it is finished but while jesus was teaching and, and there he was in the the last supper that he had with his disciples he said if i then being your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet because greatness is selflessly serving greatness is selflessly serving the kingdom is totally on its head totally flips everything around and jesus the very son of god in his last opportunity in that meal with this he could give them a working illustration that this is how it's going to work going forward guys this is how it's going to work you need to serve each other selflessly usually a servant would be there to wash their feet but there was no servant there so they all came in and nobody took the place of a servant nobody would go wow somebody should wash the feet well i'm not going to do it i think maybe matthew should do it i mean somebody else should have done it 
I'm not going to do it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus takes off his outer garments, grabs the bowl, and he washes their feet. And he says, this is how we do life. God, wash your feet. How would you make out with that? How would you feel? You know, I had a guy wash my feet once, and I just wept. I just wept. I've never, I've never felt so humiliated. But it was good. I didn't like it. But it was good for me. My feet are kind of ticklish too, so that was a bit weird. That's why my wife says I should go get a pedicure. And I said, I'm, sure, I, I'm afraid I'd laugh my head off the whole time. So, anyways, giggle, giggle. So Jesus on relationships, love, you got to give. Now, the, the Sermon on the Mount, what a powerful, powerful sermon. And yet you have to understand that that sermon was, was based on the law. So Jesus took the law and he, he took it and he internalized it and he, he said things. He said, you've heard it said, but I say, and he didn't take it to a place of gospel. He took it to a place of excruciating pain. Hear me. Here's Jesus on relationships. Anger. What is anger? Now, has anybody here murdered somebody? Oh, don't put your hand up if you have. But you see, Jesus said, because people will say, I haven't murdered. I've, I've been a good person. Jesus says, if you had something in your heart like anger, he said, if you're anger with somebody, if just that anger with a brother or sister, you're guilty of murder. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going like, oh, come on, that's a bit extreme. So then all of a sudden, lust. Lust. Anybody had lust? Keep your hands down. I can smell the sin in this place. Lust, here's what he said about lust. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it away. Now look around at some people. Look right in their faces. A lot of two-eyed people here. A lot of... We are living in a realm of such sexual purity. Good for you. I'm so proud of you all. No, the reason we all got two eyes is because you actually don't take that seriously. And I don't believe Jesus meant to. I think Jesus was taking it to a place where they were just going like, what? And that's why there's still a lot of two-eyed people around today. Because how many know, heads bowed, eyes closed, put up your hand on the inside, a bit of lust goes on every once in a while, right? How are you, brother? What's going on? Josh is, you know, it's, it's one thing, and I, I love our, our kids' church and all that, and, and, you know, but sometimes you have children with special needs, and we love them, and, and we got someone with special needs. Is that okay? It's okay, isn't it? Because that's okay. Amen. And bless you, Mom. It's all good. We love you. So lust, if you're right, I causes you to sin, pluck it out. Amen. Matthew 5, we're still in the sermon on annoying people. Has anybody ever had an annoying person in your life? Is any, maybe if you don't put your hand up, it could be you. It could, <laughs> yeah, no annoying people in my world, you know. It's all good. So what do you do with annoying people? Do not resist an evildoer. Let me read that again. Holy moly. Did you hear that? Do not resist an evildoer. Has anybody ever seen an evildoer? Anybody? You know, I, I, think, I think we think if we could just get all the evildoers out of our society, God could visit our city. You know, God already visited our city. He's visiting you, and you got a command to release his love everywhere you go. It's not about evil people. It's about the good people don't know what to do. And we don't understand. Do not resist an evildoer, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, then turn the other cheek also. Amen. Amen. Wow. That's pretty heavy stuff. Amen. And then he says, look, you see, in their, in their day, a Roman soldier, he could come and say, carry my bag, and they made a rule that you have to carry it at least a mile. 
So they would literally, in their homes, from the front of their door, they would take a peg and they would walk a mile and put it down, and then they'd walk another mile this way and put it down, and they would walk a mile with a soldier and then drop it and say, there, and then they'd move on, because they hated those Roman soldiers. So they would do just what was expected and no more, but Jesus turned it on, turned it on its head. I just about drowned in my own spit right there. Did you Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's, it, was, uh, it, was, it was my fault. I'll take the blame. You know, Jesus, forgive me. Annoying people. Amen. <laughs> you know, go the extra mile. So he would go, go another mile. Go the second mile. Like, like, don't just endure the situation. I mean, squeeze it with love. Intentionally. The guy goes, hey, that's, that's a mile. Good enough. No, no, no. Where are you headed? You know, are you on the Woodstock? Not a problem. You know, he's saying, man, he's trying to, he's trying to take all the, all the legalism and, and, and deal with heart issues and try to challenge the things that are in people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. It says, I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Love you. And then he, he said, judging. I love this. Now, judging, if, if you see somebody who's got a speck in their eye, how many have ever had a speck in your eye? That's annoying, isn't it? And it's, you know, sometimes... I've had people, like my, my son's a welder and fabricator, sometimes you get a piece of metal will slide under you. You need to get it out. You know, so it's, it's good to get it out. It's not that speck shouldn't come out. It's just that the people who want to take the speck out of my eye usually come with a plank in theirs, and I'm ducking the plank while they're trying to figure out what my problem is. You know, a lot of times we can see 2020 into other people's lives, and there's glaring issues in our own. And I'm amazed often when I'm with people and they want to tell me all about the other annoying people. I'm ducking the nonsense in their lives, and I'm like, I cannot believe that we're having this conversation about this speck when you are fully planked, buddy. I mean, good Lord. I mean, judge not that you be not judged, and you're just hurting yourself big time. Can I get an amen? How many are really enjoying the sermon so far? How many are applying it to your neighbor? How many are, how many are saying, I hope you're listening? Amen. A couple of elbows from spouses right there. Remove the plank from your own name. Matthew 7, verse 12 in the message. Here's a simple rule of thumb, a guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. Come on. And this is Jesus. Here's how he wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. He says, grab the initiative. Think about what you'd like people to do for you and grab the initiative and go ahead and do it for them. And we call that the golden rule. You know, and if you would do that, serve others, bless others, do unto others as you'd have them do. But here's what Jesus says. And that, add it all up, that adds up the law and the prophets, and this is what you get. So if you add up the law and the prophets, that's what you get. The law and the prophets says you need to respect, honor, treat other people. It really does, and then he ties it up with this lovely statement, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, but I read that, I close the book, and I say, I'm going straight to hell. Because if that's the quality of life that you want me to drum up, be honest with yourself, it's impossible. Amen. I'm not going straight to hell, by the way. Therefore, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. You're not justified by obeying the law. Jesus took the law and he made it extreme because Jesus wants everybody to cry out, I can't do this myself, please help me. 
And everybody, if you're going to be justified, if you're going to be called righteous, declared righteous, it can only happen through faith. It can only be a gift of God. It can only be something that's done through you. Then all the good stuff, it's not, it's not that now I can do the good stuff. It's not now I can do it. It's now it does naturally manifest in my life as fruit of an abiding relationship. So it's not like, I've been set free to obey the law now. That's not the way it works. You've been set free to live out of the life of God. You live out of his obedience, his faith, his power, and now you manifest all those things, not because now I'm free to obey. No, now I'm free to live. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He he died to make dead people alive. And you're alive now to manifest the nature of God because his love is your foundation. His love is shed abroad in your heart. You are a partaker of his divine nature. And because it's the nature of God in you, you naturally manifest the life of God, not as a matter of works, but as a matter of abiding relationship. Can I get an amen right there? All right, thank you, Lord. Justified by faith, justified. So four things I'm gonna share with you really fast, really fast. Are you ready? Four things. I want you, first of all, you gotta know who you are. And as we were singing that song, I am loved by God. It is my sure foundation and I will not be shaken. When you understand who you are and you understand the love of God and when you're baptized in the revelation that I am indeed a child of God and that can never be taken from me. I wasn't born of my own decision. I was born of an act of God. I was born from above. He chose me and nothing can separate me from his love. When you got that working revelation in your life, it gives you a strong foundation to then now take me and let me share that love to those around me you can't do that if it's not a sure foundation in your life you got to know who you are Jesus said I know he said I bear witness of myself and if I do my witness is true why for I know I know where I come from and I know where I'm going do you know where you come from I came from the heart of God before the foundation of the world he had me in his mind and I've been placed here right now with great intention I'm here to be baptized in his love and to express his kingdom everywhere I go and I know that with everything in me and that is a sure foundation in my life there's you you're unique you're wonderful there's no one like you be yourself don't be a copy that would be such a drag don't walk in somebody else's path tread your own because you're awesome and you're wonderful so you got to know who you are know who you are ryan rufus wrote a book uh uh uh, extra virgin grace he wrote that book It's it's a great book but he said the church preaches too much about what we aren't or who we aren't knowing who knowing who you now are and who lives in you is the key to christian living And I love that, don't you? That's the key, because identity is the root of all behavior. Behavior comes from a clear understanding of who you are. Second, practice vulnerability. Say vulnerability. You gotta practice that. If you're gonna have real relationships and walk in that kind of freedom, you gotta be vulnerable. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The living word, the word that was with God, the word God, the the son of God, the second person in the Godhead. He emptied himself of the privileges of a divinity. He laid aside those garments of glory and he came and he identified exactly with us. He did that and he did that. He was willing to be vulnerable and he's willing to be vulnerable, able to be vulnerable because he knew who he was and he knew that he could be vulnerable he could give himself away he could lay his life down because he knew how much the father loved him and he knew that his father would never ever turn from him and he knew that God's word was always yes and amen he understood I am a son of God and nothing can separate me from his love and his purpose and when you know that you can be vulnerable knowing who you are where you came from you can be present you can be authentic C.S. Lewis a great quote C.S. Lewis said this in his book, The Four Loves. He said, to love 
at all is to be vulnerable. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Has anybody been vulnerable? Is it scary to be vulnerable? Is it scary when you, you remove all self-protective things and you just say, I'm going to just risk it all. I'm going to love people no matter what. And I'm not going to love them because they're lovely or because they do something for me. I'm just going to love them no matter what. You know what that is? That's scary. But that's the love of God. The love of God is a love that works in our will. It doesn't work in our emotions. It works in selfless giving away of ourselves every moment of our lives to others. Others. Just check and see if your neighbor has a pulse. Just check. To love is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one. Not even to an animal. I don't know about you, but I love our dog, Coco. It's terrifying how much I like that dog. Not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless air, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. You know, if you shut yourself down from ever being hurt, you also shut yourself down from being happy. You cannot selectively choose what I will or will not experience. If you step out in love, you're going to experience stuff. But if you choose to be vulnerable, you know what? If you try to close yourself off from painful experiences, you will cease to ever enjoy life. You cannot, you cannot shut your emotions down and say, I refuse to be hurt, but I insist on being joy. I see people who try to refuse to be hurt. And you know what? They're the saddest people around because they're hanging on for dear life. They're protecting themselves and you're not saving anything. You're harming yourself and hurting yourself. Freedom will only come by being absolutely vulnerable. Can I get an amen? Even if you don't think so. It's true. All right. Number three, avoid labeling people. People hate being labeled, don't they? I get labeled every Sunday. People send me notes and cards and letters. Except for John Marshall said he loves me. I love you, John. People do not appreciate judgment or assumptions. Man, we judge a lot, don't we? We got assumptions about people. It's crazy stuff. We tell ourselves every day, this is an amazing fact, all right? You tell yourself 50 stories a day. You're making up stories about me right now while I'm preaching. You're having imaginary conversations with me. You know what I'd tell him if he wasn't still talking? You know, we do that. We have 50 stories, 50 things. We're having arguments with staff members who, who they're not even present in the room. You're having encounters with people. You're, you're fighting with your kids. They're not even around. And you're having these things. And then what's really crazy is you actually think they're real. And then you project them on the person the next time you see them. It's weird. Stop it. Stop judging people. Stop living out of assumptions that you've made for people. We tell ourselves those, but we need to forget their only stories. Number four, really fast. Excel at packaging. Amen. You know, I love Sarah Henry. I do love her. What I love about Sarah, though, is whenever she does anything, she does it with a bow or a ribbon or something special. You know, Sarah could give me the simplest gift ever, but the packaging is fantastic. And, you know, when they do something, they do their marriage course or they do something. I mean, I just have a small group. We sit at a dull table and they listen to me talk. It's so self-serving. But Sarah, when she does something, gifts come with it. Bubbles and wrappers and stuff. And, and you know what? I don't even know what happened. I don't even know what we talked about. But I leave feeling like, I'm awesome. You know, packaging matters. 
And you know what? A lot of you are living a brown bag experience. A lot of you are walking around in a brown bag life. How are you today? Is anybody here loved by God? Is anybody here loved by God? Tell your face. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. How are you today? I'm all right. Packaging is important. Well, I don't feel like it. I didn't say if you felt like it. Do it. Thank you. Above all, clothe yourself with love. Pastor, I like it when you spit and jump and talk about the Holy Ghost. I am talking about the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost to do this. <laughs> above all, I mean, above everything. I mean, in Corinthians, Paul tells us, if you're doing anything, if you've got skill, wisdom, all kinds of stuff, but it's not love, man, it don't matter. It don't matter at all. Clothe yourself in love. Folks, the packaging matters, and we can see it. Everybody can see it. Sometimes you're getting a mirror, and mirrors happen in life. A lot of times, what's coming back from people is what you're projecting. As you know what the Bible tells us, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let me read it again. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together, all of us, in perfect harmony. All right? Don't be a brown paper bag. Man, pastor, this is so practical. Luke 22, 61, 62, and the Lord turned around and he looked to Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord that had been said to him before the rooster crowed, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Peter was there and he said, Father, I'm not going to deny you. I mean, I'm going to be there for you. I mean, and then all of a sudden, I don't know the guy. I don't bleep and know the guy. Don't even talk to me, you bleep an idiot. I've never heard of the guy. And then all of a sudden he catches his eye and he goes, oh my God. Here's a broken guy. Here's a guy in his relationship with Jesus. He thinks that, you see, we're enemies of God in our mind, but we're never enemies of God. But in our mind, we feel shame. We feel disappointment. He must be disappointed in me. He's never disappointed in you. Never. Look, it says, uh, it says in Mark 16, verse 7, but go tell the disciples and Peter. Say, and Peter. I don't know how they do that. I don't know if you go to the room of angels. Hey, angels, I got a special job for one of you guys. Anybody up for a special job? Oh, pick me, pick me. I don't know. But anyways, this one angel shows up in the tomb at the resurrection, and he's got a specific job to do. He says, tell them. He says, tell them all to go before me into Galilee, and there you will see him. And that's what he told me to tell you. But I love the fact that he added, and Peter. He didn't talk about anybody else. Didn't talk. He, he specially chose Peter. Yes! I love that about God. Because if you're feeling broken, separated, or somehow hurt or alienated, God sees you, and you're on his mind and his heart, and you're more special to him. He'll leave the 99 and he'll go after the one. Go slap yourself right now. No, really. Do you know what happened? Blood started to rush to there. You know why? Because blood in your body rushes to the pain. And when you're hurt, when you're wounded, and you feel like you've disappointed God, he rushes towards you. And he reconciles you to himself. Whenever you feel like there's pain, there's hurt, or I've disappointed him, you are so wrong. Because he's going to say, go tell the church and Carl. And Carl. It's written in Holy Scripture. Peter didn't even know it. But God, he'd never left his heart. And God, Peter was on his mind. And God is a God who, what is he doing? He's restoring relationships. 
That's what he's doing. And Peter. And then later on, he went and the resurrected Christ cooked a breakfast. Can you see that? The resurrected Christ made a fire and was cooking fish. Like, I would reckon if I were the resurrected Christ, I would say, let there be fire. <sighs> let there be fish. Let there be a buffet. But he bent down, he made a fire. How, how beautiful is that? How personal is that? I have personally cooked you guys breakfast. And then he took Peter aside and he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Peter, your plan that I've given you, I'm committed to it. Feed my sheep. And he absolutely restored him. If there's any brokenness in your life, I want you to know right now, Jesus is restoring the brokenness in your life. 